Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Bienvenidos, señoras y señores, to another episode of the Bleed Lows Podcast. This episode of the Bleed Lows Podcast is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online is your number one source for all your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. Bet Online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games are available to play right from your phone. So head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get into the action. Remember to use the promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, where the game starts. And joining us on the Carne Asada is our favorite Dodgers beat writer. He covers the Dodgers for MLB.com. He is our Dominican brother. He is El Principe de Miami. He is Juan Torribio. Juan, ¿cómo estás, amigo? So, yeah, everything's good, guys. How are you guys? Fantastic. So, before we get into these trade moves, Juan, uh, I the, we haven't had a chance to talk to you on the show since the WBC. And I just want to know, because you absolutely killed it, how soon before you completely cross over and become the television star you are destined to become and leave print behind? Uh, that's a great question. No, I'm just, I don't know. I'm probably <laughs> never at this point. Um, but yeah, the WBC was a lot of fun. Uh, just kind of being in that, that environment. I always tell people, you know, I'm not like the biggest spring training guy, candidly. So I went from like Dominican Puerto Rico to Cubs, <laughs> Dodgers, and Mesa. <laughs> I, was like, I was like the saddest like twenty four hours turnaround ever. But uh, but it was a lot of fun. I mean, I wish Team Dominican would have done a lot better. Uh, so interviewing Team Puerto Rico after they beat after they eliminated Team Dominican was kind of sad. But I was like, oh, great game! How was this like awesome win for you guys? And deep down, I was just like, I'm so annoyed. Um, <laughs> But no, it, it was a, it was a lot of fun. No, but in all seriousness, man, I, I you killed it. I I wish they would use you more often because of the fact, and you know this because you talk to players all the time. I feel you get more out of the players when you talk to them in their native language. They, I feel they're just more comfortable and they're more willing to tell you stuff that they wouldn't tell you if they have to say it to you in English. And the fact that they chose you and you made it comfortable for them. I, I thought that was great. No, no, I, I appreciate it. That means a lot. And yeah, I mean, I think the, honestly, the bigger thing I think that people don't necessarily talk about too much is I don't even think it's just a language. I think it's like, for example, like if you talk to like a Dominican, there's certain words and things that they say that, you know, maybe like, a, I don't know, like a, a Colombian or, you know, someone from like South America, or even like a Mexican, right? Like, yeah. There's things Mexicans say that I'm just like, uh, <laughs> like, what, what is that? Right. Like, I mean, we yeah. thought the first time I came, I, I didn't know what chilaquiles were. Uh, <laughs> but I think it's just more of like the cultural thing, right? Like there's just certain yeah. things that you can pick up on, uh, 
you know, because a lot of us speak, well, I guess not a lot of us in, in well, doing what we do, but, you know, some people speak Spanish. I think it's just more the cultural thing. Uh, but yeah, that was, that was really cool. I mean, I, that was like, uh, if, I, if I can rank stuff in my career, that would definitely be number one. Awesome. So let's get into, you know, I wanted to, when we invited you on the show, it was like, what moves could the Dodgers make? And now all of a sudden the Dodgers make a couple of moves. So I want to start with those moves. Uh, the geek and the Rosario moves. Um, I assume everyone is operating under the assumption that these aren't the only moves that they're going to make. Uh, but what was your initial reaction? Because if you look at Geek's numbers, it's like this is the right-handed bat that they think is going to solve problems for them. And all of a sudden, I just keep hearing that Rosario defensively sucks. And I think more people are just happy that Syndergaard's gone. Like, how is Geek and Rosario going to help them? Yeah, I think it's just kind of uh, two guys who can come off the bench. I think the, the plan moving forward is just we're going to platoon you to death. And, like, whether you agree with it or not, uh, that's just the way they're going to do things. I mean, we saw in Baltimore, Jason Hayward hit a three-run home run in the second inning, and then he got taken out in the third inning. For So it's like they're, they're literally not going to care. I mean, Johnny DeLuca made two of the best catches we've seen all season, and then he came up to him. They were like, no, 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 Peralta's going in. Like, that's just how they're going to do things. And I think uh, having those two guys, I think Kike especially, it's, a, it's just a buy low move. Uh, he couldn't have been much – he can be much worse than what he was in Boston. And I think having some familiarity with, with Van Skoyak and Aaron Bates, I think that could help him. Uh, that remains to be seen. We'll see how much they can kind of, like, you know, fix people, as they like to say. So we'll see what kind of happens there. And the Rosario one, to be honest, I, I didn't see coming. Um, and it still doesn't make, to me at least, at, at least right now, a day in, doesn't make the most sense to me just because defensively he's not Miguel Rojas. Uh, and, you know, people can talk about Miguel Rojas offensively and, you know, he's been pretty bad lately, especially. But defensively, he's a game changer. I mean, he's made some plays this year that you're just kind of like, oh, we haven't seen this in the last couple of years. I mean, no, no disrespect to Trey Turner and Corey Seager. They're much better players than Miguel Rojas, but defensively, Miguel Rojas is better. Uh, I don't think that he, that's even up for debate. Uh, so that, that one's weird because Rosario isn't better than him defensively. And offensively, I mean, I guess he's better against lefties. I'm sure I'm like, that, that much is known. But how much does he actually help you at that position uh, if, you take a, if you take into account offense and defense? So that one was a little bit more confusing to me. And from what I've heard, he can't really play center field. Uh, so that doesn't seem like a spot he's going to play. So maybe he'll play second base. All that, I mean, we haven't talked to anybody uh, since the trade went down, so we'll, we'll find out more tomorrow how they plan to use him. But of the two trades, that one was a little bit more of a head-scratcher, but they got rid of Syndergaard. So, <laughs> I, think, so I guess that was like kind of like the, the, okay, like look, we finally got rid of this guy. Uh, you know, and, and they deserve some, some sort of blame for that one, right? Like they signed this guy to be a big starter for them, and it failed, like, Point blank, you know, everyone was like, oh, maybe he could be the new Tyler Anderson. He could be the new Andrew Heaney, and he wasn't. So I think that was just an admission of them saying we couldn't fix this guy. Uh, let's just try and figure out what we can get for him. Is is it too much reading in between the lines to assume that the Rosario deal means something else is coming down the line in terms of position players? Look, I think they're, I think they're being really aggressive. Uh, I mean, for them to make two trades with – Six days, not now five days, but six days left 
before the trade deadline, I think they're going to be really aggressive. I think we're going to see three or four more deals. Uh, our leads are going to try, you know, we'll, we, this time of year, you never know how things ultimately end up. But if you had to, if you ask me right now, I think there's going to be a lot more deals. And I think, you know, obviously the big one that everyone kind of has been throwing around lately is Northern Arenado. I think if that, if, if they can try and get a guy like that, uh, then some of these moves make a little bit more sense uh, just because they're just saying, screw, we're just going to like fortify this, this offense and then we'll figure out the pitching as it kind of, as it kind of comes. Um, so, you know, but Arenado one is a little bit tricky. You're going to have to probably give up a big league player uh you know not to speculate but guys rojas muncie just kind of i mean i i wouldn't i don't know exactly how deal would kind of formulate there but i think um that that's just, sorry i got a text it messed me up um <laughs> uh, trade deadline season <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh but yeah a guy like Arnold is gonna take a lot and he's gonna have to just kind of decide to waive that no trade clause which uh for the Dodgers, he probably does do, uh, but it's going to be one of those, like the Cardinals want to win next year. Like it's not going to be, they're not trying to trade them off like the Rockies were and just try and cross their fingers and hope they get a good return. Like if the Cardinals trade this guy, it's going to be because the Dodgers are willing to part ways with a lot of pitching guys. So maybe like a Sheehan or, you know, Pepio, Stone, one of those. I mean, that's what the Cardinals want. They want pitching prospects and pitching arms that can help next season. So um, yeah, long, long, answer make it a little bit shorter i think there there's a possibility some of these moves kind of mean like maybe they're trying to make a bigger splash uh when it comes to the offense uh juan i'm gonna give you um i'm gonna let you feel the wrath of uh la reina de playa larga amy go ahead throw the heat give him the best uh don't don't, give him the high heat don't worry he can handle it i can't hit i can't no i couldn't hit much in in high school so (laughs) In one respect, what do you what are you thinking, Juan? Uh, are we talking trades? Are we? <laughs> no, I mean, just ask him what what, what you yeah, wanted whatever. to ask. Oh man, I so many questions. Um, I guess I, I'm a little curious because it feels like there's a lot of um, negativity towards Kike coming to the team. Like either people love or hate it. But if you look at his stats, like he's been pretty consistent. Like he's never really hit below like the mid or above the like the mid twos as far as batting average so just from your perspective like what are your opinions on on that trade and, and the depth that you can bring to the team yeah I think it just kind of depends on how you want to look at it right like if you're if you think about it as he's just another guy who we're going to have off the bench uh you know he's probably better than Yanni Hernandez and Johnny DeLuca so it's like if you look at it that way it's like all right why not now if you're trying to if you're expecting Kike Hernandez to kind of come in here and change the offense, uh, then that's probably not going to be a good trade. <laughs> like, cause he's, that's just, he's not that type of player, especially not right now. Um, you're kind of banking on for two months, he can kind of figure something out. Uh, and listen, the guy performs in October. I mean, if there's one thing about Kike Hernandez is when October hits for whatever reason, he just kind of turns into like another player. Uh, so they're kind of hoping that's, that that's kind of part of the, the puzzle. Um, but yeah, I think he's a it, there's a strong personality there. There's a lot of fanfare there. Um, probably a lot more than any like just role player um, around the league. So I, I I kind of understand that, and I, I think as as long as he understands that he's not gonna play every day, uh, you know that was a big thing for him. From what I understand, I wasn't here, but the big thing for him uh, the first time was that he wanted to play every single day. 
as long as he understands that that's not going to happen, like it doesn't, like we talk about it, DeLuca and Hayward, like even if he hits a home run at bat before, like if a, if a righty comes in, he's probably going to get pinch hit for it. Like that's just, that's just how they're going to do things moving forward. So as long as he understands that, I don't think it's a bad move for the, for the Dodgers. I guess the other thing top of mind, you guys brought up uh, Aaron Otto. So as far as him, like we have like the Michael Bushes, we have, we have a couple of those rookies that are coming up in your opinion. Is it like, do you see the Dodgers going for like a bigger name or maybe sticking with what we have? What do you think in the long run is, is the best way to go with that in your opinion? Yeah. I mean, I think like, I mean, I, I came on this, I think maybe what last year I came on this show and I was just like, trade everyone. For yeah. one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was just like, trade them all. I don't even care who they are. <laughs> just trade them. Uh, like I'm not a prospect guy. Like I know that people hate on me for it. I'm just not. I mean, last this time last year, we're talking about Diego Cartaya being like the next like Salvador Perez. And this year, he's hitting like 190 or whatever yeah. it is that he's hitting. So uh, to me, th- this, is, this, that's, this is why I would get fired if I was a GM. I would just trade everyone. Like, if I can get a good player, like, I'm just going to trade them. Like, why not? Uh, so I think if, like, again, if I was running the show and, like, Nolan Arenado became available and they were like, hey, just give me Stone and uh, whatever, Michael Bush and whatever, whoever they want to get, like, I'd be like, yeah, here, take them. Because uh, the whole, I think the whole idea is to try and win a World Series. Like if you if you win a World Series and you don't make the playoffs next year, people are not gonna really care that much. Uh, I mean, look at the Nationals; like they've been awful since they won a World Series. But everyone's like, oh, but they won a World Series. Yeah. So it's just kind of like I think we, you know, this is where me and Andrew don't probably see things the same way. Like <laughs> they, they always talk about like consistent success, and I get it; they're they're, they're the best at that. Uh, but I think. If you can win a World Series and this team right now probably isn't the, the best team to win a World Series, uh, but they have a lot of pieces. So if you can kind of just fortify the edges and maybe add another star or whatever, I think this team has a real shot in a really weak uh, National League this year. You know, you brought up that the, there's two questions I want to uh, leave you with, Juan. And this is the first one is Dodger fans are going to lose their mind if they don't get a pitcher. Right. And we saw what Giolito went for with the Angels. And I think that trade just shocked everybody. And certain people believe Giolito was the best available pitcher that's out there. Yeah. Are you going to use the trade chips that you have? It seems like an overpay. Like if you trade a Michael Bush or you traded somebody else to get a Lance Lynn, or I, I mean, I guess if you can get Arenado and Flaherty. Uh, together in a package, maybe that's that's what they're doing. But this is all—all all these moves are all null and void, right? If they don't get pitching, because the thing that cracks me up is I'm there after the games and I see Toribio literally his mind is twisting to try to find a new way of asking Roberts, "How much longer can you guys go with the way this pitching staff is?" Right? Like for months, you guys have been asking Roberts this, and it's like it's Friedman who they should be asking the question to, but it's like, if they can't vastly improve their pitching, like what is the plan? Are they hoping that Julio somehow figures it out or like Gonsolin is a riddle to me? I mean, the pitching staff, how do they fix that? Yeah. I I think there's probably two ways to kind of look at it that way. And maybe one of them is just like, let's just have the best lineup ever. And then just try and like help slug everybody. Uh, that could be one way. Like, if you get a Nolan Arenado into this lineup, like, you might you might be able to do that. 
because uh, then you would have five or six guys, depending on who they kind of trade away, uh, that could do some real damage. So maybe that's one way. And then the second one is you also have to like think, all right, so if you go into the playoffs with Kershaw, Julio, and Gonson, whatever, let's just say those three, like who do you rather go with Bobby Miller or do you rather go with like Jordan Montgomery? Like, so if you're not going to, if the answer to, the, to that question is Bobby Miller, and I don't know what their answer is, then why would he trade for Jordan Montgomery? I think like that's kind of like the, the, the way that they're thinking is like, if we're going to trade for somebody, it's for someone who's going to help us in the playoffs. Like that, that's, and that's kind of the part that's kind of, that was kind of the problem with Syndergaard, right? Like this is why that experiment not working is kind of coming back to haunt them a little bit just because they were expecting that guy to just give them innings and, you know, give them a three year a and be, be someone who could, they could, they could trust. And that guy's not there. And now you lose Dustin May for the whole year. And then things start, start getting a little sketchy, you know, like Pepio's had been down all seasons. Gavin Stone wasn't as nearly as good as they hoped that he was going to be. Um, you know, Bobby Miller and Sheehan have been decent, but Sheehan's starting to get a little taste of the big leagues. Um, and this is probably a little bit unfair to him because he never pitched in AAA. Uh, he should probably still be in AAA. So they're, they kind of rushed these guys a little bit. Bobby Miller, same way. Like, Bobby Miller should probably be making his debut, like, tonight uh, in a perfect world. And he made it over a month, like, over now two months ago. So... It's just kind of interesting. Like, it just there's not many guys on the market that are better than what they probably have right now, um, other than like Blake Snell. But like, AJ Prater's not trading with this team. Like, that's not gonna happen. So like, then what do you do? Like, you just go for Jordan Montgomery, Flaherty. Like, is Flaherty that much better than what they what they have now? Uh, I know he has like a bigger name, but I mean, if you look at the numbers over the last two years, he's really not that great. So. It's just they're they're kind of in a tough spot when it comes to pitching, just because either they go and over, you know overpay with prospects for like a Dylan Sees, uh, then you, you should do that. <laughs> like, I mean, that's just kind of the reality. Like Michael Bush, like he, where does he, where does Michael Bush play? Especially if you get Arenado, like, so why not get rid of him? Like, there's just so many things that I think that's why I think they're going to be really aggressive because there's there's a lot of ways that they can kind of navigate towards this. And then they oh, they talked about versatility when they got Kike and and, uh, and Rosario. So why why do you need that versatility? It's because you're trying to figure out what moves you can make uh, to make it all work after this, after August first. Hey Juan, Look, yes sir. Real quick, the other Juan. You think anything is is true about um? I've seen something about they, they might go for Verlander. You think the Mets would? Trade one of those guys, um, Verlander or Scherzer. I think they would, but I mean that's a that's an expensive one, uh, and like this is all kind of fascinating too. Like this has kind of been the my thing is, and not to not to like deflect from this one, but everyone kind of talks about what Shohei Otani wants, right? Like everyone's like, oh, Shohei Otani wants to win. He wants to do this. He wants to do that. Nobody knows what Shohei Otani wants. Like, I think people could just stop talking about what he wants because nobody talks to the guy. Like media can't us media we can't say oh Shohei Otani wants to do this because nobody talks to him he has never done a one on one with anybody so nobody knows what he actually wants like I'm not even sure his agent knows what he wants like I'm not even sure Shohei knows what he wants right now like so I think if you're setting up for next year and you're trying to make a run on Otani because you keep hearing like oh he wants to win he wants to play for the Dodgers like he loves it you know all this all these things then you you're a little bit more tentative to like make these moves now if you're just saying like dude we'll figure that out next year like however this comes, then you should try and make these moves for like Arenado and Verlander, 
Because at that point, you're just thinking, like, I'm just trying to win now. Uh, so I think if, if, if they do make some moves like Arenado and Verlander or something like that, then I think they're probably thinking, like, we're probably not getting Shohei. Uh, so I think it's going to be kind of interesting to see how this works out. And this is all me speculating because, again, I don't know anything about Shohei Otani. <laughs> and, like, I don't pretend to know anything about Shohei Otani because, like, really nobody knows anything about him. Uh, he's like this unicorn that's just kind of like, and everyone wants to make it sound like they know exactly what he wants, like what he's thinking, and nobody knows. So I think if you're if you if you kind of believe in that, you're just saying like maybe we maybe we we're actually not the favorites to get this guy. Uh, let's just try and win with this team because this team has a lot of like good things going for them. Um, they're not the most talented team, like compared to last year's team, like they're significantly worse. Uh, but they do have something kind of clicking for them and whatever it is that they're working, this platooning stuff and whatever, like they kind of have some sort of magic in there. So, and you have Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman who are not getting any younger uh, and you're getting the best years out of them right now. So you might as well just say, screw it. We're going to win a world series and then we'll figure out what we do with Shohei Otani. So yeah, I think if Verland is on the table and like they, they feel like they could pay him next year, whatever his contract kind of looks like, then you should do it. See, this is why we love having him on the show, and this is why he's the best beat reporter in that. And I'm not going to, like, throw you under the bus or anything, but we all know who we're talking about, the guys who cover those teams. This guy is the guy you guys should be reading. This is the guy who tells you the truth and tells you how it is because, by the way, you've totally convinced me, trade them all, because as much as I'm rooting for Miguel Vargas, and now I'm starting to scratch my head and being like, man, is this a guy who's just like a 4A player? You know, because he 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 got a lot of rope. He got a lot of rope this year. And we saw what Altman did. Altman started off hot and then couldn't hit anything. But now he made the adjustment. And it didn't look like Miguel was able to do that. I got to ask you, Juan, did they mess up his swing? Did they, like, coach him too much? And now he's completely confused at the plate? Um, I don't think they like broke his swing. I just think like when a young player is struggling, I'm, and I, the, the kid's 23 years old. Uh, when I was 23 years old, like I was a mess. <laughs> so, <laughs> he's 23 years old. And I think he's, it's the first time he's ever struggled. And, and he was trying to figure out like, what do I do? Like James Alman, like he wasn't even a prospect at one point. Like he has struggled in his life before. Like he, he went from a really bad player that nobody wanted, nobody recruited, no one, you know, no one even talked about to like, and then he, he was able to kind of bounce back from that. So when he went for those two months of like, just being one of the worst hitters in baseball, frankly, like he was like, I've actually kind of been, kind of been here before. So let me figure things out. Like Miguel, from the day he was born, he was hitting. Uh, so I think it's just kind of part of it. I think being 23, uh, going back down, um, and then maybe next year he it all kind of clicks. Like everyone's just everyone just progresses differently. Um, but Juan Soto on this lineup sounds pretty good too. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean they have to make trades, right? Because they don't have enough room on the forty mountain roster. Like if they're not going to use these kids, if they're not going to play these kids, and they'd rather have veterans, then what you're saying makes sense. Like I never thought the Arenado thing made sense to me because he's owed so much money for the next couple of years. But if the Dodgers truly really just don't care about payroll and they get an Arenado and then they're like, we're still going to go after Otani because I'm not good at math, but everybody I run into tells me the Otani contract pays for itself. 
the Otani contract pays for itself. And I'm like, okay, I don't know how that works, but if you say so, right. like, so the Arenado thing is real then. Yeah, they've definitely talked. I mean, that, that I can for sure say, I don't know how real it is. Again, he has a no trade clause. Uh, and there's been no real reason to, to, to like think that he wouldn't waive it here. I mean, I think he's made it pretty clear that he would love to play for the Dodgers. Um, so that would be one aspect of it. But the second one is, like I, like I said, the Cardinals are not looking to just give him up. Like, if you want Nolan Arenado, you have to trade for him. Like, actually give up someone that you probably like, and it's going to hurt you giving away. Uh, so it's not a salary dump by the Cardinals, no, right? No, because they want to win next year. Like, they're, they're probably they're thinking, like, hey, we got Goldschmidt, we got Arenado. And, like, if we just kind of figure out this pitching, they could be pretty good next year. Like, it, it's not like they're, like, a team full of scrubs. Like, they have a good teams. It's just this is one of those random years in baseball that things just haven't worked their way. So I think they're thinking, like, if we run it back with better pitching next year, we'll be better. Uh, so I think for the Dodgers to get him, like, you're going to have to just trade for him, like, actually give a, a real package to get him. Um, whether they want to do that or not remains to be seen. Uh, you know, we'll see. that They usually tend to be a little bit more careful with trading prospects. Uh, so and we've seen in the past, right, like, they, they wouldn't match what San Diego gave up for, for Juan Soto. Uh, you know, man, even like the Manny Machado one, like they gave up a couple guys, but, you know, it was a rental, so it didn't cost that much. Like Arenado, you would have to be paying for a couple of years of his contract, so it's going to take more than you would probably want. Um, so it's just kind of, you know, we'll see what kind of happens there, but the, the two teams have definitely talked. All right, we want to be respectful of your time because I know you're getting blown up with uh, possible deals happening. I just want to remind everybody, look, we don't like to play favorites, but in this case, we are going to play favorites. If you're going to read anybody, read the Latin guys. Read Toribio for your daily dollar uh, Dodgers coverage on MLB.com. And if you want to read columns, read the Puerto Rican, read Jorge Castillo. But uh, those are the two people we advocate on this show. But Juan, we want to thank you for always coming on and keeping it real and and letting us know it's okay to trade everyone. Well, at least, yeah, just whatever. (laughs) No one's one's really a player until you're actually a player. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Jorge and I played pickleball yesterday. He beat me, so don't read. Oh, oh. So wait, are, are you trying to tell me he really is better than you? Nah, I kind of took it. was his first time playing. I was going a little easy. Hey, I noticed you're wearing the Messi colors. Are you full on on Messi now? Is like Miami uh, FC now your 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 jam? Yeah, I'm not a soccer guy at all, but <laughs> I'm a Miami guy. So I, yeah, I'm in. Go Messi. There you have it. Thanks a lot, Juan. I appreciate it, man. Anytime. And a big thank you once again to Juan Toribio of MLB.com. He is the beat writer. He covers the Dodgers, and he is uh, he's a great guy, as you guys can tell. He's, he's almost a regular on the show. He's our go-to guy, to, especially around the trade deadline. Remember, Babyface, he did say that last year when we had him on the show, where he was just like, trade everybody for Juan Soto. Um, all right, before we get into the Azulejo series, all of a sudden, um, the Dodgers made a couple of moves before what will hopefully be a big, huge move. So let's get your reaction. La Reina de Playa Larga, I know you were super happy to see Kike uh, back. So let's start with your reaction to Kike. 
Oh my God. I was over that. Like that made my day just finding out we got him back. Um, kind of like what we were talking about last week, just the personality fit. You're already seeing him shake things up in the clubhouse and the dugout. Um, Literally, he said, right? He was shaking his ass and that's what made you so happy. I, that wasn't it. It was, I mean, it's, it's the big picture, but uh, I know he got, there's, there's a little bit of a, talk on the on the Twitters about you know his stats and how well he's doing and why we picked him up I just I keep going back to like looking at his like the statistics and he's never hit beyond the the mid twos like his batting average has been like 215 237 230 best years were like 256 250 so really I mean 222 isn't that off base for him so I just I don't see it I think he's going to be a great addition. I think the energy that he's going to bring is going to be awesome. And if he can plug some of those holes out there, moving to center field, you know, middle infield, great. That's it's just more depth that we have on the team. Uh, and maybe you can answer this for me, uh, Reina. Was he playing every day with Las Medias Rojas? I think when he initially went over there, he was. From what I understand, in like uh, in the last couple months, he has not been every day. So I think when you heard in one of the press conferences that. He doesn't expect to because he hasn't earned that. I think he has a little bit different outlook from when he left the Dodgers wanting that to coming back and just being with a like a, another winning team. Babyface, so maybe that's 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 where he excels. I know he left the Dodgers because he believed he was an everyday player and the numbers just did not support that. So being that he's going to come back to the Dodgers and he's basically going to be platooning, maybe that's where he has his most success is as a platoon player, and as Toribio just told us, they're going to be platooning the hell out of everybody. And he's right. You really can't argue when it comes to the postseason. Kike has delivered. So it, I know you're not a fan of reunions, babyface, but those two arguments that I present to you are those justifications for trading for Kike. I think in overall, it's 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 a good move for them, right? He's gonna he's gonna bring more energy right to that clubhouse than than what we've been seeing already he's in a familiar spot he's in a familiar position right like kind of like you said platooning maybe that does get him back back onto kind of where where he's been and you know i think too also this is kind of is a free agent year for him obviously he wants to get another deal but i don't think i think maybe there might be a little bit less pressure coming to la because he like i said he's familiar with it he he knows his role is going to be a little bit different so he kind of knows okay i just need to do this and then the rest will take care of itself. So, I mean, like Amy was mentioning, I mean, either you kind of love this move or you hate this move. Um, I think a lot of fans just love it. I mean, I, I was seeing a post earlier, uh, that post that the Dodgers did yesterday where they showed Kiki walking down the in the, in the dugout where he's dancing. Did you guys, yeah. you guys see that on Instagram? Yeah, almost five, oh, his ass. Oh, yeah, almost 5 million views. So Dodger fans love that. So they love to have him back. So we'll see how it goes. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. I mean, he got two hits, you know, when he uh, against the Azulejos. Uh, the other move that Toribio uh, we had discussed was the Ahmed Rosario uh, deal. And no one seemed to have seen that one coming to me. I think the biggest surprise was the fact that they were able to make it a one for one trade and that Syndergaard went and they really didn't have to give anybody else up, which I think is big because. If they had to give up somebody else, I mean, that's someone less that they could in in another move, right? And I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I know everything about Rosario. 
So I know I saw that all over social media. All the baseball guys were reporting that this dude hits lefties, but defensively he he's he's not good. And you know, Toribio told us, "It's like, look, Miguel Rojas is your best defensive shortstop." So for me now, I'm a little bit like, what are the Dodgers? That one that moves uh, was a head scratcher for me because I'm like. What are the Dodgers doing? They are getting more position players. And it's like, okay, I thought maybe Kike was going to spend time at short. But now, I mean, because you got Chris Taylor. So now are you going to be platooning Chris Taylor and Kike, two right-handed hitters out in left field and short? Now you're adding another shortstop who, as Toribio told us, he can't play the outfield. So all of a sudden now there seems to be like the, why we have all these players now who only play like one or two positions is another move coming. So let's start first with that. The acquisition of Rosario Reina. Does that signal to you that there's another move coming that maybe a position player who is currently on the team, like Doribio said, is on the way out? I mean, maybe, I mean, yeah, they might be bundling something. I don't know. Are they just using him to, like, like Juan said, to come off the bench? Maybe he's not going to be playing that much defense. But, I mean, you saw the other night, I think in the sixth inning on, I think it was Tuesday night, we started replacing players already. Where It's yeah. just like, we're already, we're already pulling people off the bench. Like, you know, we've only got one, one run. But, you know, I... It maybe he's just going to be like that that one inning pinch hitter, you know. If he's if he can come in and he can hit lefties, he comes in and does that, and then they replace him again. I don't know. Um, it'll be interesting to see what we do, just because, like you said, we already have Rojas. Unless he's supposed to spell him or spell Kike, I mean, I don't I don't really know where he fits in the roster. Babyface, I was one that did not think the Arenado thing was true. I really thought that was all bullshit, and it was really only because he's still owed. I think it's uh, two more years after this year. Like he signed until he's 35 and it's big numbers there. The salary is over 30 million. So of course I'm looking at that is all right. If they get Arenado, I, I, are they going to have enough money to go get o Otani? But if they get Arenado, could it be then that that guy, that position player that we're talking about that could be going out is Max Muncy. And we just, on, the, on our last episode, we just talked about the chemistry of this team. And Dave Roberts was specifically asked that question earlier in the week about, do you guys think about messing up the chemistry of this team? Uh, is that completely out of left field? There's no way the Dodgers are trading Max Muncy, who is in the last year of his contract. Yeah, I mean, with those moves, though, I mean, it also, I think, I don't know. I'm thinking it also signals that we might not see uh, Vargas up back this year, right? Right. Why, there's really no position for him now, right? If you got these other guys there. So we probably don't see him. I don't think we see Michael Bush again, right? So are those guys going to be in a trade package? But the Arnado thing is, is, I didn't think it would happen. But then I started hearing, and Vasse was talking about it yesterday as well, that that it is it is a thing that they're talking about and you know Toribio confirmed it right now too and uh, also another thing i've heard is too what what Vasse said is if if the cardinals want to trade Arnado, the only place he's going to go to is LA that's the only place he's going to waive his no trade clause and 
it's basically up to the Dodgers. If they want to make that move, they can do it. They can they can make that trade work, but they're going to have to give up a lot of a lot of those prospects. And yeah, it, it's definitely going to be somebody like Muncy's going to be a part of that, or Chris Taylor. Maybe they don't want Chris Taylor because, you know, what he's owed as well too. But one of those guys is definitely would be you know. So if you go for another, it's probably a package of like Muncy, like uh, what he was saying, Stone, um, Pepio. So you're gonna see you're gonna lose a lot of your young pitching to get Arnado. So, I mean, would you are you willing to do that? Well, or here's the other thing that I don't think we've taken into consideration is maybe Chris Taylor really isn't healthy. Maybe that knee uh, is just not recovering because it just seemed odd that they really I I don't know if they clearly came out and said what was wrong with his knee. And I know when he came back, it was giving him problems still. They were so, you know, thin in terms of their depth. They needed Chris Taylor to play. Um, look, it's I, this season has been very eye-opening. And as I said, Toribio's comments last year really made me think, and I think about it now too. And that is you want, it's about winning World Series, right? And if the Dodgers are going to go out there and spend, I mean, they went and they got a bunch of veterans this year. Why? Why didn't they? And we can see now, right? Everybody at the beginning of the year want to give these rookies a chance. Let's see what these rookies can do. Miguel Vargas, as Toribio told us all his life, all this dude has done is hit, and he had a really rough go in in the first half. Now, do you have the patience to stick with Miguel Vargas so he can figure it out? How is he going to figure it out if you don't have a spot for him? In the major leagues. And this is, again, I'm talking now about the 40-man roster. These are guys that are taking up spots on the 40-man roster. And if you're not going to use them, um, look, if you're going to trade Michael Bush and you're going to trade Miguel Vargas to get Nolan Arenado, Nolan Arenado is a proven commodity. I think everybody makes that deal. The only concern is this is I think Nolan Arenado is already showing signs of regression this year. I don't know if that necessarily is going to get any better in the next two years. And like Toribio said, Federico's getting older and Mookie's getting older. And those are guys that you have signed for a lot more years. So it's a tough position to be in, but it's about winning a World Series now. And one of the questions that I didn't get a chance to talk to ask Toribio, and that is, is this a team that you go all in on? Is this a team with all the flaws that, that you have? Do you use all your trade chips to try to get everybody? Like the best pitcher on the market, allegedly that was available was Giolito and he's gone now. There's nobody else on the pitcher's market, like Toribio said, that you're going to automatically slot to be one of your starters in the postseason. So that being said, Reina. Do you go all in on this team? Would you pull the trigger on an Arenado deal if you can also get a starting pitcher uh, coupled up with him? I think before we had talked to Toribio about that, I might have been a little hesitant, but kind of hearing his perspective, I mean, he won me over. Even if Arenado regresses, he's still going to do better exponentially than probably what we have right now. So let's say he gets, you know, regresses a little bit more next year it's still better than than what we have going on in the infield so i say and so case, are you specifically referencing muncie there i was, and, and it's not to put you on the on the spot 
but I, I'm just I'm just curious. Is that when when you say what? Because that's who our third baseman is. From a stats perspective, unless we can slide him over to something like second and have him platoon there and and throw Arenado at at third, I don't know if he'd be willing to play second or if or if that's still you know skills wise where he's at. I'm also but, thinking, Reina, I don't think you're wrong though. Initially, with what you were going, I don't think you're wrong because if you look at it, their numbers and Arenado has a better batting average. He has <laughs> almost as many home runs as Muncie. Uh, in terms of the RBIs, I'm not sure, but we know he's better defensively. So, finish, go with it. I, I mean, I think oh, you're right. This is, this is where I struggle though with like the person versus the stats. This is the same thing right. we deal with with Barnes, right? The person versus the stats. Right. I mean, does he have a better walk rate than Muncie? Muncie may not hit as often as he used to, but he still gets on base. So, is his on base percentage better? Those are things I'd have to, you know, now in light of of kind of switching my argument here of, of maybe taking on Arnado, like do, you know, is that something that we look into? I don't know. And, and does that affect the chemistry? How is, how is he going to fit into our clubhouse versus, you know, Muncie is a staple in there. That I think that's the big issue, right? Baby face. Like if they trade Muncie to get Arenado, and I know we're living in a fantasy world right now, but what does that do to that clubhouse? Because Muncie at this point is he's one of the veterans of that team. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah I mean, I, it would be tough, I think, for that clubhouse, right? But but also they would know, you know what? We gave up one of our guys to get this guy, you know. So that proves that they're going all in. They really want to win, right? And you know, it's not a rental. This yeah, it's a guy who's going to be around. He's gonna he's he's gonna get paid through twenty seven. So, and you know, yeah, you're looking at 35 million for the next couple of years, but then 26 and 27 go down 27 and 15 million. So, I mean, he's going to be, he'll be like 30, 36 by then. Yeah. But I mean, this is what, what it was put to me. Like the person I was talking to about this told me, do you want to have the best third baseman in baseball? And an MV- and he's an MVP candidate pretty much every year. Right. When yeah. we've seen from Ron Otto. So, I mean, if you really want to go all in, I mean, it also tells you, like, are they going to be able to find pitching, right? Like, are, is there going to be pitching on the market, right? So with Giolito gone, are you going to go after Lance Lynn or Rich Hill? If you don't want that, are you just going to go all in on offense, right, and see and see what you can do? Um, I mean, that's 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 the other question because, like, who are they going to go? Who are they going to target pitching wise? Dylan Cease, I've heard, he's not on the market. White Sox don't want to give him up. So who else? Unless they're looking at New York, right? And they try and get a Verlander or Scherzer if, if they try and part with them. I mean, who else is left? That's what's going to be very, very interesting because I think the assets that it would take to get Arenado are the assets that you would need to get Dylan Cease. And according to what you hear, the White Sox are not trading him. But if the Dodgers call and they're telling you, we'll give you Miguel Vargas, we'll give you Michael Bush for Dylan Cease. I mean, that's, that's to me is what, what is really interesting because that's the sign that you're going to be sending to your team. It's like, okay, right now it looks like what we're going to do is we're going to outslug and he, and here's the, let's get into it. The Azulejo series, the Dodgers lost two out of three. That series to me felt like very much a playoff series. And it was decided late in the game and it was one inning 
the Dodgers are very lucky that they didn't get swept. They should have gotten swept in, in that series. And that concerns me because the Blue Jays, the Azulejos are a playoff team. And what you saw in that series, I think, is what you're going to see in the playoffs. You're not going to see a team score a lot of runs. And the Dodgers pitchers, for the most part, held their own. It was just one bad inning, one bad mistake. Chris Taylor gets a ground ball that he can't get a grip on, throws bad to first base. All of a sudden, that inning turns into a much larger Jason Hayward. Look, even if Jason Hayward doesn't dive for that ball and he the run still scores and you're still running into the same situation where the and, and La, La Reina de Playa Laga talks about this all the time. Small ball, whatever you want to call it, execution. We had runners in scoring position in the extra innings, and they didn't even move. In one inning, they stayed in second. The other, yeah, they got them to third with two outs. But it's that's the kind of stuff that we saw last year in the playoffs that killed us, and that's the kind of stuff that concerns me is like here we are. We're playing against a good playoff team. They can neutralize the offense they need a little more help. So if that's the strategy, if as Toribio says, the nerds say, Hey, our best chance of winning is just to score as many runs as we can. We can get Nolan Arenado. I mean, yeah, I get it. We all love Max Muncy, but are we overthinking this? I mean, if you have a chance to get one of the best third basemen in all of major league baseball, don't you say yes. Isn't that the business of baseball though? Like JT and Kike are feeling that right now. Kike's been, he's been saying like, I, I feel responsible. I brought JT over to the Red Sox and now, you know, because of the way the business works, now I'm back with the Dodgers and, you know, I just left one of my good friends there. And it's just, I'm just, I'm looking at the stats, like between Monday through uh, Monday, Wednesday, or Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, we left 12 on base Monday, nine on base Tuesday, nine on base Wednesday. Like, that's a lot. We're stranding. What does that sound like to you, Reina? What does that remind you of? Just. Does it not remind you of the playoffs against the show pods? I mean, I'm you're bringing back my PTSD right now. So, like, (laughs) I'm going to go rock in a corner. I'm going to go put my my soapbox about small ball away and just go rock in the corner because we we seem to have this misconception that if we can hit the long ball, if we can hit all these home runs, we're going to do great. Yeah. in the regular season, but once you get to the postseason, you have the best of the best, you have the best of pitching, you have the best like offense and defense. There's no way that you can just rely on that to get you through. Like we saw last year and, and look what happened. We were out in the first round. Babyface, uh, did that uh, Azulejo series, was that just baseball or did that alarm you? To me, it, it that series didn't quite feel right, right? Because they they went out to to Baltimore, played a first place team, did really good. Went to Texas, played a first place team, did really good. That Blue Jay series kind of just seemed something was off. Like they just seemed really sluggish to me. Um, I don't know. It just it just seems like they never really got into that series, and like the the production wasn't there, right? They didn't score a lot of runs except that that extra inning game, right, where they had to come back. You don't um, think the Azulejos pitching had anything to do with that? That Cabrera kid that the Azulejos just picked up, that guy did a number on the Doyers. 
I mean, but like like we said, this team is accustomed to scoring, and it doesn't matter who it is, right? If it was good pitching, bad pitching, mediocre pitching, they're going to score, right? So like I said, I, it just didn't happen in that series, especially coming off that Orioles and Rangers series. So it just felt really different. I don't know what was off, and and you know, credit to the Blue Jays, right? They're 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 right there in, in a playoff spot too, right? They're they're in that tough in that tough East that we talked about. That everybody is yeah. five hundred. The Yankees and the Red Sox are the other two teams battling for that final spot as well yeah so uh, i mean we go back to that that those two games that the first extra inning game you know talking about again the small ball like what are we referring to small ball right like is it just moving the runner over like we saw it's all this that first game oh you got to bun them over you got to bun them over we saw it in the second game uh, uh yanni tried to bun them over right and he couldn't do it right and i've said this time and time again Today's players do not know how to bun. They do, I mean, you got to do it another way. Either hit the ball over to the right side. But isn't that also small ball? That's small ball. I'm saying you got to do it a different way because they're not going to bun. Players today cannot bun. I mean, the other night they're saying Max Muncy should be bunting. Max Muncy is not going to bun. So that is the thing. Like, I don't know. You got to. We got to accept that baseball is different today than it was 30 years ago, right? And and. Small ball is going to be different. Like I said, if you want small ball, we, these players do need to learn to get the ball over to the other side or something else to get that runner over as opposed to just trying to get the long ball. But well, we, and that's, in we that saw sense, that, though. Well, oh. in that mm-hmm. sense, though, baseball hasn't changed. It's still execution. Small ball is still execution, and that's what La Reina has been saying, right? Yeah, and, and, and we did that, right? We were down, was it Tuesday night when we went into extra innings for the second time? We were yeah. down five, like we needed five to win. And yeah. we did it in the ninth inning. Like we, we, we are capable of it. And it wasn't because they were hitting home run after home run. They were moving the guy over and they were bringing him in. Yeah, like, I think they, we and they started off with like, like three singles, right? I think they, they mm-hmm. single, single, single. And so. the walks. I mean, the Azulejos I, did everything in their power to give the Dodgers that win. That's why, to me, the Doyers were very lucky to not have gotten swept because the Azulejos were having a meltdown. But the yeah. cohesion that we saw in the Rangers series, all that, like, working together, not saying that they weren't working together, but, like, just the the timing of everything falling into place, like, like Babyface was saying, like, that didn't – it felt like they were off. I don't know if it's the travel day. Like he said before, like, is it because they were, you know, they just played in a series, they hopped on a plane and now they're playing the next day. I don't, I'm sure that factors in. I mean, yes, they are professional players. They, they should be used to this, but they're still human. Their bodies still need rest. So I don't, I don't know how much of that is just a perfect storm of everything, but it felt like, it felt like they never really got their groove. Yeah. I mean, if anything, I think the trade deadline is coming at a very good time because you're right. Baby face. They did look sluggish, and maybe it's just more, you know, what the Azulejos did to them. I mean, that Azulejos lineup is not that bad. And the the pitchers for the Azulejos in that series, they all had ERAs in the threes. So it's not like they were facing a bunch of journeymen. Like, they were facing good pitching. That's why, to me, it felt like a playoff series because the games were close. The Dodgers were battling. The Azulejos were battling. It came down to making mistakes and the lack of execution, which is usually what happens in the playoffs. It's the team that can limit the unforced errors. It's the teams that can execute. Those are the teams that are going to win. So that to me is what was, it was a little bit alarming. Of course, the Tony Gonsolin start on Wednesday was very disappointing. 
this start on Wednesday was a little different than his previous starts. The Gonsolin one was, you know, we're used to him, you know, pitching with a lot of traffic, but limiting the damage. Well, that didn't happen uh, on Wednesday and the Dodgers weren't aren't even close. So that's why I think the panic for, for trades for pitching, but like Toribio said, what's out there that's better than what the Dodgers already have. And it's like, so what do you do? I, I for, I, I, I find it very interesting that Toribio said, and this is why I, I saw it at the end of last year, and I'm curious to see what happens again. I felt last at the end of last year, Friedman was feeling the heat for the very first time. This year, like Toribio said, this is on Friedman too. This is how he constructed this team. And so I think this is taking a lot of pressure off of Dave Roberts. If the Dodgers don't win the World Series, if the Dodgers end up losing in the playoffs, I don't think Roberts is going to feel the heat. I think it's going to be up to Friedman again. And that's when I'm going to be really interested where the pressure is applied. I need to get Otani. Because as we always had said, it's the Shohei Otani show. Shohei Otani is going to come and save the small market Dodgers, the poor little Dodgers who don't, who can't do anything. These are all interesting storylines to follow for the last two months going into the playoffs. So, so I think we, we mentioned this before. So, say the Dodgers go in right, they get they get like Arnado right, makes them a really good team right. Go, they go into the playoffs and they do pretty good. Say they get to the World Series or something, and say they don't win right, but they get to yeah. the World Series. Does that change Otani's thinking? Right? Like, do you think Otani would be like? Hey, do they really need me? Am I the guy that's going to go and get them? That's over the, the that's the que- that's the question because I feel like friend of the kind of Arsada Dylan Hernandez has really put that into my head that Otani doesn't think that way, right? That he doesn't want to go to a team that's already stacked because that's what the Dodgers are going to be. If Otani goes and then they have Arenado, they have Federico, they have Mookie. I mean, that's a stacked team. But how much of that goes to what Toribio was saying about nobody really knows what he wants, exactly. though. I have, I have other friends in the media that are like, yeah, we don't we don't get to talk to him like we we if we have done an interview, it's been, you know, it mass people in a group. And, you know, we get a question here or there, but they're limited on what they can ask. And, you know, whether he wants to come and save a team or not, if let's say he doesn't want to come to a stack team. So then why wouldn't he just stay with the Angels and stay with Trout at that point? Because if you're if you're trying to resurrect something then you just stay where you're at. But again, we, I mean, we have no idea what he wants. We're going to have the rest of the season to talk about that. Uh, So I want to end the show. It's time for our picks. Uh, The Dodgers went uh, three and three uh, in that six game span. And we have two winners. Nobody won, right? Two winners from our picks uh, are the listeners won because David wants a taco pick them going three and three so listeners you guys can thank david wants a taco who again came through for you guys with a winning pick and then the other winner oh look at that it was me i was the other winner the prince of darkness went three and three so to update the standings this is why we have the best listeners we have the best audience in all of the sports dodgers podcast realm and our listeners are in first place. Uh, in second place, I'm one game behind our listeners is myself. Two games behind the listeners is Babyface. 
Alicia's three games back and La Reina who got, you know, and justifiably here, she got a late start. She has yet to get on the board, but she still has time to, to make up the lead. But congratulations to our listeners. There's no live this week uh, because all of us, are going to be at Kershaw's Challenge. So make sure you guys are, uh, sci- uh, you know, subscribe to our social medias where we'll be dropping uh, our adventures at Kershaw's Challenge on the social media. Uh, but let us know what your picks are. I know Simeon does a really good job of letting me know what their picks in, and David Taco has done the same thing. So that's uh, that being said, the next stretch that we're going to cover is three games against the Rojos and then three games against the Athletics of Oakland. Let's go to the ladies' line. Uh, Reina, you're first. How good are go, you this week? I'm going to go four and two again. I'm I'm going the optimistic pick. All right, good. Good number, four and two. Um, I am not feeling very confident against the, the Rojos. And the fact that also it's really close to the trade deadline, I don't know when they're going to go ahead and pull the trigger on these trades. So I don't know if they're going to, the Dodgers are going to be shorthanded, especially on the pitching side, which makes me a little nervous. Uh, I'm going to go three and three again. Oh, which way will Roger go? Is he going to join me on the optimistic side or is he going to go with one with three and three? Go ahead, baby face. I'm going to be really optimistic on this one. And they're going to sweep the A's and they're mm-hmm. taking two of three from the Reds. So. Wow, five and one for Babyface. Five and one. Okay, so there you have it. Uh, again, send in your picks. Let us know. Reach out either to Babyface, to Amy, or to myself. Let us know what you're going with. Uh, listeners, you guys got to maintain your lead. I mean, we're going into the last two months of the season. Uh, anyways, I have you know, I see those who servidor Juan Ramirez, the parte de mis colegas, la reina de playa larga, Amy Cuevas, babyface. Nos vemos para la próxima. This episode of the Bleed Lows podcast has been brought to you by betonline.ag, where the game starts. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.